Will you pray with me? Oh God, our praise will belong to you forever. Forever, God. It is a joy to lift our praise to you together tonight. And we pray that you come and you meet us in this place. That you move upon our praise and into the places in our hearts where we, we desperately need you. God, we are so thankful for Jesus. We are so thankful for how much he loves us. And we join together now to pray the prayer that he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, hi there, everybody. Uh, my name is Angela Reese. I am one of the pastors here at Providence. So last week, Jacob called an audible and started out our series on the book of James, preaching from the book of Joel. And aren't you glad that he did, right? I know, me too. Yes. <laughs> it was just so beautiful and powerful, and I am personally grateful for a pastor and a leader and a friend who prays in the Spirit and is willing to go where God leads him. You know? So today, we are actually going to dive into the book of James. We're going to do it. <laughs> And we're going to start back where Jacob was last week. So let's hear these words from James. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God for it who gives generously to all without finding fault. It will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts, it's like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. This is the word of God for the people of God, and together we say, thanks be to God. So James, the author of this book, is thought to be like the actual brother of Jesus, like a, a son of Mary and Joseph. And we aren't exactly sure that that's right. James was a common name during that time. But this James was definitely thought of as an early follower of Jesus and a leader in the early church movement. And when James wrote this book, which is actually a letter, he wrote it to Jewish followers of Jesus that had been pushed from their homeland and scattered to different places because of persecution. They were being persecuted because of their faith, because of their belief in Jesus. And James heard about you know, what they were experiencing, that they, um, 
were being exploited and abused by wealthy people, and that they faced discrimination and hostility and how they were being treated and, and spoken to, and that there just seemed to be like a general lack of love and compassion among people, you know, themselves included. You know, they were really struggling. And it sounds kind of familiar to our time in history, doesn't it? So in response to this news, James, who was an amazing pastor, wrote this letter. And he started in a really unexpected way, considering who he was writing to, right? They were experiencing death threats. I mean, imagine that, right? Imagine being afraid for your life and receiving a letter that begins with, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I mean, think of the images that we've seen of people fleeing from their lives from Afghanistan recently, and your first words to them being, consider it pure joy. I mean, you who are, who are poor and powerless and homeless and hungry, you who have been separated from your family and maybe disowned by your family, you know, consider it joy. Are you crazy me? Like my, my, little son, my son, my youngest son used to say that when he was three. Instead of, are you kidding me, when he was facing something impossible, he would look at us and say, are you crazy me? You know, that's how I feel about this. I mean, why? Why would we consider it joy? Well, James has an answer. He said, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Because you know. He was trying to say to them, remember who you are, follower of Jesus. Remember what you've been taught. This is something you know. This suffering should not be a surprise to you. It it is something that we should expect. And he wasn't just um, trying to remind them so that they would know it and believe it, but so that they would know it and live it. He was writing to encourage them to put their faith into action because what we believe is connected to what we do. What What we believe should have an impact on the words that we say and our actions. And the reason why James told them to do that, to make an intentional decision, to view it all as joy, is because he knew that through the discipline of perseverance, persisting in something despite its difficulty, that God shapes us and grows us in faith. He says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You know, as difficult as this life is, and and it is difficult, the hard things that we walk through are actually meant to work for us, not against us, because God is for us, not against us. That's why we can rejoice and persevere, because through all of our suffering, somehow, miraculously, God is refining us and strengthening us and forming our character and maturing us and making us whole. But these words can be really hard to hear when you're walking through something difficult. No, they really can. I just want to acknowledge that. Like, they can feel harsh, and and they can make people mad. They can. They can also feel really hopeful. But we tend to understand these kinds of things better in hindsight. You know, they say hindsight is 2020, and I don't know about you, but I have a deeper understanding of that phrase since experiencing 2020, you know? (laughs) And maybe, 
Maybe that's what like letting perseverance finish its work means, you know, that there is a lesson and a deeper understanding, a deeper patience at the end of it, because that is what God is growing in us, patience and endurance, the ability to keep going when things get hard. But it all takes time. It takes time to grow those things in us and having the perseverance to walk through them, like it isn't really enough on its own. No, it's not enough to just grin and bear it, right? We need wisdom to help us. Or eventually, like Jacob preached about last week, we'll get worn down. We'll get cynical and bitter, violent. We need wisdom to see through it and overcome it because we're not meant to just put up with our circumstances, external or internal. You know, we put on all this armor and we feel like we're protected from all the external and then there's like this sneak attack from the inside. You know what I mean? We're not meant to endure any of that. No, we're meant to to fight. We are mighty warriors that are meant to claim victory over those things. So we need wisdom to help us make decisions and see how God is forming us through our suffering. Proverbs 3.18 says, love this verse, she, wisdom, is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. In the creation story in Genesis chapter two, we read about how God created, you know, the heavens and the earth. And then we read about how God created the Garden of Eden. And right in the middle of the garden, he plants these two really important trees, okay, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And then God created Adam. And he told him that he was free to eat from any of the trees in the garden except the tree of good and evil. If he ate from that tree, God said, certainly you will die. And then along came Eve, who one day was greeted by a serpent. And the serpent asked her if God really said that they couldn't eat from any of the trees in the garden. And she clarified to the serpent, no, God did not say that, you know. She said, the woman said to the serpent, We may eat, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. I read something somewhere that said said Eve exaggerated when she said that they couldn't even touch the tree, you know, because God never said that. God just said that they couldn't eat from it. And I was like, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, Eve didn't even exist when God said that. You know, he didn't even create her yet. So Adam had to have told her what God said. And in my experience, in my experience, right? Men are much more prone to exaggeration than women. You know, I watch men's basketball. I know what's what, you know? So we are just going to let that rest on his shoulders, you know, because Eve is about to take on the downfall of the world, even though they both ate the fruit, okay? All right. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband 
who was with her, and he ate it. And indeed, their eyes were opened, and it was in that moment that sin and suffering entered the world, and we were separated from God. This, is, this moment is known as the fall of man. And here's what gets me about this story. Wisdom. That's what the serpent was trying to sell to them. That's what they believed they didn't have because all of the other trees in the garden that God had given them to eat were good for food and pleasing to the eye, okay? The tree to the left, good. The tree to the right, good. The tree way, way in the back, good. The bush over there with the berries that hadn't even been named yet, delicious looking and good. No, I mean, they were in paradise. The tree of good and evil was not special to them in that regard. It was the wisdom that enticed them because they wanted to be like God. They wanted to know what God knew. And personally, I feel that desire deep in my spirit because I've learned some things about myself. I have a need to learn and to take in information about the world. Like my head is always investigating something in some way because knowledge makes me feel safe and it makes me feel competent. And you know, when I know things, I feel like I have control over my life. And that's how God made me, so I know that there is beauty in that, but I also know I would have been enticed by the offer for wisdom in the garden, and I don't know that I would have made a different choice. You know, in fact, I, I know I wouldn't have made a different choice because I don't always make a different choice. A little over 10 years ago, my family moved here for, uh, for my husband's job. And it was a really, really difficult move for me because I was leaving behind all of my family, including my oldest son. Um, he was in high school at the time, and uh, he was being recruited as a quarterback to play Division I football, something he had worked at like almost his whole life, you know? And we decided that he would stay there with his dad and his other family to continue to pursue that dream and while I was very happy for him, um, I just did not enjoy being separated from him. And I really, really struggled. Um, but it was at that time that I started to see this number, 333, just appear everywhere. Every single day. I mean, still, I still see it. And I take pictures of it now when I see it because it's a reminder to me of God's faithfulness in my life. But at the time, I thought it was a sign because my son's jersey number was three, and it had been three since he played peewee ball. And it was like a sign to me that he was going to be okay, you know? And I, kinda, I still think about it that way because it brought such comfort to me while I was just really struggling. Um, but I started researching 333 because I wanted to know if there was a deeper meaning behind it. And it turns out that there are a lot of ideas about what that number means. But the thing I discovered that just kind of gripped my heart was Jeremiah 33.3. It says, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. And when I read that, I just kind of crumbled because, again, research and knowledge like, is how I feel safe, and gaining wisdom is how I survive hard things. You know? But I wasn't going to God for those things while I was struggling. You know, I was going to Google, <laughs> which can be helpful. you know. <laughs> 
But I just felt like God was trying to say something to me the whole time. You know, come to me, call on me, ask me for all of those things. I will tell you all the wise things you want to know to help you get through that. All the unsearchable things, the unsearchable things, that word trips me up every time. Things that can't be found on your computer or explained or understood by research. And and just to clarify, I am a huge fan of faith and science. Like, I love how they work together. I think they are ideal partners. And I actually want to be a pastor and a psychologist. But I do believe that there is certain wisdom that only God can give us because God is wisdom. God is wisdom. So let's go back to the garden for a minute and let's take that truth with us, that God is wisdom. We also know that wisdom is the tree of life. Okay, so really what we're seeing here is that the wisdom of God is the tree of life. I think about that. The tree that God gave Adam and Eve to eat from the very beginning was the wisdom of God. The very thing they desired and were tricked into believing that they didn't have was the thing God had already graciously given to them. It was theirs. They just had to put their trust in God and choose to do what God said. Don't eat from that one tree. I mean, there are so many reasons that I stand in awe of God, but the fact that God graciously gives us wisdom, the very thing that tempted Adam and Eve to sin and allowed brokenness to flood our world, I mean, it just tells me how much God loves us and has always loved us, has always desired desired to give generously to us. He just wants us to come to him, to call on him, to ask him. And James reminds people of that in his letter. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. We all lack wisdom, all of us. You should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. Oh, God just wants us to to come to him, right? And he wants to, to give us the wisdom, but like Adam and Eve, God gives us the gift of choice. I mean, every day we make decisions about our lives and about the lives of our kids. And in those decisions, we are still choosing which tree we're going to eat from, in a sense, you know? And I feel like in chapter 3, James shows us the different kinds of wisdom each tree offers us. He says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done and the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. That's earthly wisdom. It's in quotations. I love that. (laughs) From the tree of good and evil. And we can believe that self-help books And meme wisdom, it's very big right now, meme wisdom and selfish ambition will give us happiness and success. But we see here that disorder and every evil practice is what we get when we choose to eat from that tree and decide for ourselves what is good and right and what is evil. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. 
then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. That's tree of life wisdom. It's beautiful and pure and hopeful. It's wisdom that seeks to walk on the path of peace. It's, it's considerate of others. You know, it's not selfish. It's in the way of Jesus. But I want to be sure to stop here and just say again that choosing God's wisdom doesn't instantly make life easy or simple. You know, it doesn't mean that the storm swirling around you is going to instantly calm down. It's absolutely possible because everything is possible with God. But wisdom shows us where to put our faith in the middle of the storm so we can persevere through it. When James has some words about how we should ask for it, he says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. You know, waves are, are a complete victim of circumstance. You know, they move wherever they're pushed or pulled by the wind. And when it comes to our faith, James is saying, don't be a wave. Don't let life circumstances push you around. And don't doubt. Don't doubt. And I think that's a lot like when God tells us not to fear. You know, there's a lot to be afraid of in life. But, but God tells us we don't have to be afraid because he is with us. And I think that's the same with doubt. I think we all doubt. And often that doubt can lead us to, to an even deeper faith. And I know that's true for me. But he's saying we don't have to doubt because God is faithful. You know, God can be trusted. So feel your feelings and honor them, but don't let them bully your faith. Hold fast to the tree of life. So James gives us a lot of practical advice for living a Christian life. And we're going to hear more of it throughout this series. But the first step is to surrender your heart to God, to choose God, to call on God and choose his true wisdom. You know, so this week, go humbly and boldly to God in prayer and ask God for wisdom, for help in whatever you're walking through. Pray knowing that, that God is, is good and generous and forgiving, not finding fault. Pray knowing that, that wisdom from God is your protection, that you are not alone. Pray believing that God is in control of every area of your life and pray knowing that God will work to the good of those who love him. That true wisdom works for peace and that through all things, especially, especially through suffering, God is shaping you and forming you and growing good fruit, the fruit of the Spirit in you, developing your character, making you mature and complete, not lacking in a single thing. Let's pray. Oh God, we, we love you. And we give thanks um, for how generous you are to us. And God, as I preach these words, I'm, I'm just reminded of, of, you know, how Jesus came to this earth and how it was a struggle for him, how he wept and needed to call on you and was sorrowful until the point 
of death. We know that this journey is, is hard and it's difficult. And we, we thank you for his example of how to walk through this life. We are amazed at your wisdom, God, and how when we choose you, you tell us that, that even the angels and the, the authorities in heaven learn more about your wisdom, God. And so heaven and earth declares your glory together and stands amazed at your wisdom together. So God, I pray over this church and all of your children, God, and I ask for you to give them courage to just seek you, to come to you this week and surrender their heart to your heart, God, knowing that you are good and generous, that there is nothing but good things waiting for them in your arms. Thank you. Thank you for loving us. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen.